Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, it's Dr. Will Cole. This podcast is the manifesto for a new breed of health seekers. This is the art of being well. What is up, everyone? It's Dr. Will Cole, and welcome to the art of being well. I am a leading functional medicine expert. I get to consult people around the world via webcam. I started one of the first functional medicine telehealth centers in the world over a decade ago, and I'm a New York Times bestselling author. I wrote Intuitive Fasting, which is my newest book, and The Inflammation Spectrum, and Ketotarian. If you wanna learn more about my clinical work, the telehealth center, the books, and there's lots of free resources there for you as well, You can check it all out at drwillcole.com. That's D-R-W-I-L-L-C-O-L-E.com. All right, let's get to today's guest. Her name is Kimberly Snyder. Kimberly is a spiritual guide, a meditation teacher, a nutritionist, and holistic wellness expert. She is the three-time New York Times bestselling author of five previous books, including Radical Beauty, which she co-authored with Deepak Chopra. Kimberly hosts the top-rated Feel Good podcast. She is the founder of Saluna, a holistic lifestyle brand that offers wellness products, digital courses, practical enlightenment meditation, and the Saluna Circle. She has been featured in dozens of media outlets, including Good Morning America, The Today Show, and The Wall Street Journal. And stay tuned through the entire conversation because at the end of my conversation with Kimberly, I answer another one of your burning health questions and then ask me anything. All right, let's get right to it. This is Kimberly Snyder's Art of Being Well. Kimberly Snyder, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I am so excited. The last time we spoke was a couple months ago and I was just saying we had the same backgrounds, our pod space is here. It feels it feels nice to kind of, you know, see you and recognize the background. Um, yeah. I'm so excited to be with you. We're in our virtual uh, hangout space right now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Let's talk about this beautiful new book. It came to the Functional Medicine Telehealth Center and I'm like, man, the cover is beautiful. The content's so beautiful. The title, You Are More Than You Think You Are, Practical Enlightenment for Everyday Life. Beautiful. And, and the message is, is even more beautiful inside. So can you, what was the genesis of the book? How did it come to be? Oh, gosh. 
Well, well, this is very different than my previous five books, as you know. And I wasn't looking necessarily to write a new book, but I was 34 weeks pregnant with my second son, with Moses. And I was looking to slow down. And suddenly I just had, you know, what I call a download. I had such a clear vision for the book coming through me. And then I thought, oh my gosh, what do I do with this? You know, it's 30 and 34 weeks here. And it was a very specific idea. And so I actually reached out to my co-author two books ago, Deepak Chopra. And I told him about the idea of the book. And he said, this one belongs with Hay House. And so my previous publisher was Random House and HarperCollins. I've been doing more wellness books. And this is, you know, an expanded sort of wellness book. So any, anyways, the next thing I knew, I was on an email with the president of Hay House. And then he's like, what is your idea about? And then I told him. And then two days later, I was on a Zoom. And then I wrote a sample chapter. And I think, you know, three days before Moses was born, I signed my book deal. <laughs> and then I waited 60 days. And then I started writing the book. And it just came out in a flow. And really, this is the culmination of, you know, where I've been where I, I can you know, tell you the story of the first book, which is really more about, was meant to be more about these teachings. So I feel like in some ways, it, you know, 10 years from when I wrote my first book, six books later, I've come full circle into uh, really sharing publicly what I feel I can, you know, where I can really feel I can benefit people the most. In the past, well, I focused a lot on you know, nutrition or Ayurveda or different aspects of wellness. And this book feels like to me, here's my full playbook for everything, for creating the best stuff. It's about creative power, abundance, vitality, confidence. And it's how I, you know, it's the teachings that have really helped me the most. I love that. So what is, I mean, you mentioned about the teachings and this being your ultimate playbook for living an abundant life. Like what, what are some of the inspirations that have been the biggest, biggest significant movement in your life that kind of maybe inspired you in part to write the book? Yeah. So when I graduated from college, well, I didn't know what I wanted to do. At one point, I thought I might want to be a doctor. And I went in with a science, partial science and math scholarship. And then I interned in a hospital one summer. And I just thought, oh, maybe this isn't exactly for me. And I'm very glad you you stayed the course because we need amazing <laughs> doctors like yourself. But it just wasn't you know, my exact vibe. So I ended up saving some money. And I was I got an internship in Australia randomly because a, col a company in college that I worked for had an office there. So anyways, I saved up some money and then I ended up traveling. I thought it was going to be a few weeks and it kept going. I was doing it very inexpensively and it ended up being three years to over 50 countries around the world. And the reason this was significant is I was mostly in Asia and Africa. So I was 18 months in Asia, seven months in Africa, a little bit of Eastern Europe and some South America, but I was out of the Western world for those three years. And this is where my mind, which at the time was quite, you know, I like to think it's still open, but it was very open. I was seeking, I was seeking, I think, you know, moving energy in my body, trying to figure out how to be more comfortable with myself, the anxiety, the insomnia. I had very low self-esteem. So I was open to all these ideas and it really reframed my ideas of beauty and connection and peace. And one of the countries that had the most impact on me was India. So the first time I went there, I was there for about three months. And then I circled around again and I ended up going back there for some, some more months. And it's there where I started to really learn about 
true yogic science and Vedanta, Vedic philosophy and meditation. And this is, you know, I I hadn't been doing yoga in the States yet. So I I was, you know, I learned that yoga isn't really about physical asanas. It really is about, you know, pratyahara and dhyana, like withdrawing your attention from the ego and from the reactive nervous system and concentrating the energy in your shashumna nadi in your spine and your central central energy channel and how that activates your brain and ideas and creativity. So I started reading about these teachings and particularly from a great yoga guru named Paramahansa Yogananda, who was really who brought yoga to the West in the 20s. And he started talking about these ideas of oneness and universal consciousness and dynamic will. And it was really speaking to my soul. And I had never heard of him before. And I did, like I said, I didn't really know much about yoga. So anyways, long story short, I came back to the United States and I moved to New York City because a lot of my family's from the East Coast and I was totally broke. Well, I mean, you know, there were days I would get three oranges for $1 for lunch because I had read a, st- a study that oranges keep you fullest, the longest of any fruit. I was too proud to ask my parents for money. So I was just, you know, I was going back, I was teaching yoga, I was going back to nutrition school and I was starting to apply these teachings. And again, about concentrating and tapping into to the true self, which I'll talk, you know, we'll talk about later. But I started to see these patterns emerging in my life. And even though I was sort of in this rock bottom place where I didn't have money and I didn't know what I was going to do, things started to flow. I started a free WordPress blog and all I did was tell my yoga students about it. And was it didn't know anything about SEO or marketing or anything, but then it started to organically spread throughout New York City. And my first celebrity found me, she, you know, she found the blog and then I got on a film set, which is funny because to this day, well, I don't even own a TV. I'm one of those people that's very out of pop culture. But then I started working with, you know, actors and then producers. And I was, I was always this holistic way of looking at things. It was never just about the food, even though I got pinned as a nutritionist, it was always, you know, my four cornerstones. So food, body, emotional well-being, and spiritual growth, tapping in. And then the television show started coming. I was doing you know, regular Good Morning America and some Today Show and things like that. And then the first book deal came. And this is the funny part, Will. My first, it was HarperCollins. They were my first publisher and Sarah was my first editor. And my idea was this book called, I had this proposal for a book called Catching the Fire. And it was a travel memoir. And it was talking about some of these teachings. And she said, oh, she looked at my free blog and she's like, well, the the recipes and the food part are taking off. Why don't we do a food book first? And then this book will be the second book. (laughs) Well, the first book went on to be called The Beauty Detox Solution, you know, which just grew and grew, sold like a million copies. And then the second book, of course, they wanted to do a food book. So it sort of changed the trajectory of outwardly what the focus was, but always will. This was like the stuff I really wanted to talk about. (laughs) So here we are. You asked, you know, what is the genesis of this book? This book has been building inside of me, Will, for 10 years. And with clients, you know, Drew Barrymore is on the cover and I've been working with her for 10 years. And always it was not just about food. It was this deeper way. And you know, you know, as much as anyone, how much the mind, the, the, the thoughts affect hormones and you know, our sleep and our circadian rhythms and everything else. So there was this holistic way that I was caring for people and, mm-hmm. and applying that to my own life to heal myself. 
And so now it came through this book. Like it just felt like, okay, this is the right time. I didn't get to choose it. It just came through, like I mentioned. And wow, am I so excited to share it now. Wow, man, I had no idea that story. And I know as a writer and as a teacher, like that side of things, like this is a baby that's been incubating in you for a long time. And probably, like you said, the perfect time where it it is even better than it would be if you released it 10 years ago, because there's all that experience and life and deepening of these practices that you know of. And Drew is such a sweetheart. You have to tell her hi. She's an amazing human being. I will. (laughs) Typical children's vitamins are basically candy in disguise. You all know it's true. They are filled with two teaspoons of sugar, unhealthy chemicals, and other gummy junk growing kids should never eat. That's why I love Haya. I've loved them for a long time now. And that's why Haya was created. The pediatrician-approved, super-powered, chewable vitamin. While most children's vitamins are filled with five grams of sugar and can contribute to a variety of potential health issues, Haya is made with zero sugar and zero gummy junk, yet it tastes really great and is perfect for picky eaters. Haya fills in the most common gaps in modern children's diets to provide the full body nourishment our kids need with a yummy taste they will love. Formulated with the help of nutritional experts, Haya is pressed with a blend of 12 organic fruits and veggies, then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals, including vitamin D, B12, zinc, folate, and many others to help support immunity, energy, brain function, mood, concentration, teeth, bone health, and so much more. Haya is designed for kids of all ages and sent straight to your door so parents have one less thing to worry about. I have two kids and they love this stuff. And my son is a picky eater to say the least. And my both of my kids love Haya. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. Receive 50% off your first order. To claim this awesome deal, you must go to HayaHealth.com slash Will Cole. The deal is not available on the regular website, guys. So go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H.com slash Will Cole. HayaHealth.com slash Will Cole and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Managing your gut health is so much more than just diet and exercise, and research increasingly shows that a healthy gut microbiome is crucial to a healthy life. Remember, it's 75% of your immune system, 95% of serotonin, your happy neurotransmitter is made in the gut, stored in the gut. Microbiome diversity and a healthy microbiome landscape is essential for brain health, hormone health, immune health, and of course, digestive health. Pendulum Therapeutics is the first and only biotech company to both isolate an important beneficial bacterial strain and put that strain into a probiotic capsule. That capsule, Pendulum Acromancia, can help manage your gut health. As we age, we lose Acromancia in our gut microbiome. Taking Pendulum Glucose Control is an easy way to get this acromancia back into your gut microbiome, which is really important. Pendulum is a leader in research on the gut microbiome and its connection to gut health and type 2 diabetes. Diet and exercise are, of course, very important, but your gut microbiome might be the missing piece to your health and wellness strategy. Pendulum's team of scientists, doctors, and innovators 
is the first to isolate Acromantia mesinophilia, which is really important for your gut health. So take care of your health long term. Get the probiotic rooted in the latest microbiome science from Pendulum. Visit PendulumLife.com and use code WillCole for 20% off your purchase. Again, that's P-E-N-D-U-L-U-M-L-I-F-E.com, promo code WillCole for 20% off. Hey girl, hey, welcome to Taste of Taylor, my weekly podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Strecker. You might know me from Sirius XM Radio. I mean, I was there for like 12 years after all, but then Howard Stern allegedly got jealous of me, so I had to leave. I was actually able to pull myself up by the bootstraps and start my own podcast, Taste of Taylor, which is now officially with Dear Media. I'm so excited to say that. Ha! So I promise you in this podcast, you're going to either learn about something, you're going to be inspired by someone that's like always coming from a perspective of like humor, then this is the place for you. I hope you enjoy this little snack. Going back to something that I know a little bit about, and I know that a lot of people that are listening probably don't know that much about that I'd like to break up that word a little bit or go deeper in that word of yogic science because people hear it and they know about yoga and they know about, you said like the the physical movements, but you said it's so much more than that. Or this is beyond the sort of vapid, fluffy sort yes. of Instagram yoga that people know about. Can you talk about what, where, what that term means and, and how it is a science? Yes. So if we go back to the oldest texts in the world, they are actually the the Vedas, starting with the Rig Veda to the Atharva Veda, which is where the Ayurvedic science is. And then also thousands of years old, but not in the Vedas, is a text called the Yoga Sutras, which is written by a great sage called Patanjali. And so when we get into the ancient texts, there's a whole system, a whole philosophy, a whole lifestyle that teaches us how to get out of suffering, how to, to tap into our bliss, our joy, our vitality. And so the Yoga Sutras, for instance, there are 196 sutras, which outline the principles of yoga. And only three of them mention asanas. They Only three of them actually mention the physical poses. And they're about, you know, stira, sukha, asana, steady, comfortable, you know, getting to a steady, comfortable position, which really basically prepares the body to go deeper into the other limbs of yoga. There are eight limbs of yoga. And so the limbs are about, you know, concentration and withdrawing the senses. So this whole science, which does include going deeper, the path of Yogananda is something called Kriya Yoga, which is the only specific yoga that's mentioned twice in the sutras. So it's part of the Raja Yoga, King Yoga, the system that is called the super highway of getting to to the infinite, getting to enlightenment, which is really about awakening and more awareness, getting on the path. I'm not saying we're all going to be, you know, like Jesus or Buddha or Krishna, but just getting a practice where we start to align more to the, to the energy and to the bliss that's available to us. So when I started to get this, well, like I said, the, the classes I was doing in India, they were very traditional. So there was just a little bit of asana, a lot of pranayama, a lot of breath work, and then a lot of withdrawing and meditation and going deeper and deeper and deeper. And what I started to realize along the way, and it has gotten a lot deeper, like you said, if I wrote this book five years ago, six years ago, it wouldn't have been in the same place. I've been through a lot of hard times, like I talk about in the book since then. And that's when I really, it drove me deeper and deeper into the practice. 
And I realized that, oh my gosh, you know, this is available to all of us. Mm -hmm. This true self, this tapping in, which is what the true yogic science teaches us. There are very specific ways that we go from taking all our attention out here with the senses and the, the ego, the pseudo soul, so to speak. And we start to bring that energy in and then we start to concentrate it. It's not dissipated in a million different directions. And what I found personally you know, this idea of going past thought, which is something that Eckhart Tolle talks about, but I didn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't really understand the practices the first time I heard the power of now or a new earth. Yogic science and Kriya Yoga specifically teaches us how we go past, you know, some of the limitations of the mind. And we go into this really, um, this deep well of steadiness and calmness and the heart energy and the voice of intuition where I, you know, our best ideas start to emerge forth. Mm -hmm. So it's not that some people are more intuitive than others. It's not that some people are more calm or kinder than others. I think, you know, we have different tendencies in our personality, but yogic science teaches us that we can hone all these different qualities and equanimity and then live a life that is more aligned, more fulfilling, more loving, and yes, more abundant in all mm-hmm. ways and successful. Wow. A picture came in my mind and something that I think of as symbolically, and I tell my kids, my son's 15, my daughter's 12. I always, I've heard it said where we are the vast ocean, the depth of the ocean, but so many of us think we're just the the ripples on the, the surface where it's the storm common, the, the yes. violet waves of emotions and thoughts and anxiety and fear, but we forget our depth and we focus on just the surface of who we truly are. Yeah. So we think about the, uh, the ego, right? Which is mm-hmm. all this, this shell, basically what we look like, what we're doing, you know, what Wayne Dyer calls the less than 2% of who we really are. So the, t- the title of my book will, you are more than you think you are. Right. I think it's easy in the world to get caught up in like Instagram and like the imagery and the comparison. And that's, you know, we, we want to look good. We want to have jobs that we like. There's nothing wrong with that. But the issue yogic science teaches us is when we put our full identity in this, Hmm. who we really are is what yoga calls the true self. And as you know, you were saying with your kids, it's not the choppy surface of the ego can, that can get tossed around. If you know, you get triggered, your um, coworker gets a raise or a promotion and you don't, or you see someone on Instagram going on some fancy trip that you can't afford or whatever it is. We keep going deeper and deeper. There is this um, resource inside of us, this steady, courageous, intelligent, infinitely creative place. And that is the true self. You know, we can, we can call it the soul. We can call it formless energy. You can call it spirit inside of you, whatever words, you know, sort of align to your, you know, what resonates with each person personally, but I go with the term true self. And that is you know, we have this formless energy and it's so much more than this surface part. So while it's, you know, it's fun and it's fine to to be in the world, we're having an embodied experience. We're in the physical body. At the same time, we don't want to over-identify with that. So these practices and everything that that I teach in the book through these different chapters of, let's talk about confidence, for instance, right? Or beauty. It is about how we tap into the true self and start to reframe the way that we look at life. So for instance, with confidence, if we're getting our confidence from, oh, I have really great hair 
or I got the best outfits this spring, or, hey, I grew a thousand followers this week or whatever it is, it's still external. And when those things shift and change, you can find that your confidence gets dinged around. So what Yogananda teaches us is that confidence, when we start to peel away the layers of the onion, it goes deep, deep, deep to the very root place, which is, you know, when, when Moses asked the almighty, you know, what, what is this? What are you? The answer was one line. I am that I am. And what that means is I am, I am, I just am. So I'm this, you know, living, breathing creature that is a divine, unique creation of spirit. So that's really where confidence comes from. It's that sort of naturalness, that comfortability that people have that make them really radiantly beautiful. It's magnetic. You know, the chapter I wrote on magnetism, about how I came to write a book with Deepak in the first place, because I was learning to hone this aspect of energy because everything is frequency and we, you know, we feel other people's energy. Now, neuroscientists are talking about, you know, mind is not just being in the brain, but through the cells of the body and also creating a gravitational field around us that other people can actually feel whether they use that language or not. But this is all, you know, we can really change our lives from the inside out. And I realized, well, that so much of my life before getting into this was so externally focused. Am I cool enough? Do guys think I'm pretty? Will I get invited to the party? Do I have the best grades? Versus when we tap into this true self energy, which we can all learn to do, and it's actually um, quite simple. It takes practices and work, but it's really more of a shift of focus for more mm-hmm. people. It's not necessarily more work. Our lives change externally when we change our internal energy. Mm-hmm. And that's a big game changer. It truly is. And we have, and you can talk about this at length in the book, but like these things that block us and allow us to lose sight of who we are. And maybe people have never really recognized who they fully are because our culture is so bent on the superficial, so bent on the the distraction too, of like really not going inward, but being distracted. And one of the things you talk about is fear fear, and the power of fear in our culture and how we are driven. Many people are like live in a state of fear in their life. Like what fear, anxiety, lack of peace. I mean, that's majority of the human race right now. So what are some things, and you talk about it in the book, but what's something that someone can do right now to start to cultivate fearlessness in their life? Yes. So great question. And fearlessness is actually the first chapter in the book. And so the the book is structured, you know, the first part is getting past the big blocks, like fear that you mentioned, because if we don't get past that, we're (laughs) not getting on the path at all. right? Right, Right. So Yogananda mentioned there are 26 soul qualities that a human must develop in order to reach our fullest potential. Fearlessness, he says, is number one. So then the second part of the book is embodying more of the true self qualities like confidence, intuition, peace. And then the third part is creating. So that's where we take the form of our individual gifts, our unique gifts. And then we, you know, there's very specific exercises for how do we create our best manifestations out here? So that's abundance and creator, but that's part three. So to answer your question, you know, fear plays out in so many different ways. You know, for me personally, I chose partners, romantic partners that were very safe. 
And I didn't realize that until I got deeper in that it was because I had a fear of, you know, safety issues. I had a fear of being abandoned. So it took me to, you know, not as fulfilling relationships because of my fear. For me, it wasn't until I lost my mom really suddenly six weeks, you know, from when we found out she had cancer to when she passed, my heart blew open. Mm -hmm. And then I was, I looked around well, and I was like, oh shit, I have been living out fears in many ways in my life. And that, you know, some months after that, that's when I decided to, you know, leave and move out from my partner, my father, my first son. And then that, you know, long story short, that took me down the path of really understanding my fears of myself. And then I found my amazing soulmate husband, John. So what I would say in the, you know, in the fear chapter, it's really important that we get the fears out of the shadows, because if we don't know what our fears are in the first place, Mm -hmm. we can't really integrate them and see them and then be freed of them. So there's a practice in the book where I talk about, you know, really sitting for some time, carving out some, you know, time and space and writing out like what we think we're we're fearful of. And it may be surface at first. Oh, I'm fearful of, you know, getting COVID. I'm fearful of getting fired from my job. And so that's a nice warm-up exercise. The second thing, as we start to warm up and get comfortable with opening our hearts to this, writing out what we're scared of feeling. And this is going a bit underneath the surface. So it's like, oh, I'm fearful my partner will leave me, but what am I scared of feeling? I'm scared of feeling abandoned. I'm actually, you know, I'm speaking me personally, I'm scared of feeling like I'm not really lovable, like I'm not good enough. And then we start to sit with those feelings because now we've brought them out of the shadow. And this is something that, you know, Carl Jung talked about a lot with his shadow work, which is so powerful. And again, I didn't get this 10 years ago, is really, uh, you know, integrating these fears in and then starting to imagine a new reality without them. So, you know, there's a lot more detail in the book, but I'll say that it starts with being aware of what your fears are. Another important practice as you're sitting with a fear is, and this is based on the work of Dr. David Hawkins as well, is knowing the difference between a thought and feeling. So these reactions we have in our nervous system, uh, these wounds from wounds and stories in our past, they're really just um, sensations in the body. The mind is what keeps the fear going. So I would sit with these, you know, feelings of like, oh my gosh, I don't want to be abandoned, all this stuff. And I would watch it in the body. So I would get out of my head well, and I would just feel it. A lot of it comes in my upper abdomen and I would just feel it. And Dr. David Hawkins says, if we can just feel a big feeling, because emotions are meant to be energy in motion, it starts to pass through us like a wave, you know, back to our water analogy. And then it starts to go, we start to digest it like food. And eventually there's the bottom of the well, like a big emotion, or let's say it came from a childhood memory. We can get to the bottom of things, but we have to allow ourselves to adequately digest that energy. Mm -hmm. So I started to do this. I started to look at the fears, get out of my head digest and digest. And then you start to feel lighter and lighter. And over time, and also then imagining what it would be like to be without this fear, you start to imagine more expansiveness and allowed me to heal along with the other techniques in the book. It allowed me to open up my heart, allowed me to find real love for the first time in myself and then with a partner. So I don't want to oversimplify it because that's why there is you know, a lot of depth there. But I will say that, you know, from someone that did have a lot of fear, a lot of blocks, 
if I can overcome, you know, a lot of my fears, I'm not saying I'm fear free because I definitely still have fears that creep in, but it's gotten like 90% better. Mm -hmm. And that's why I'm so passionate about sharing this will, because I I know fear holds most all of us back and we don't want Mm -hmm. our lives. We don't want to play small. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like you said, the fears can come up, but you have tools of which you teach us in the book of how to navigate through them and not make them who we are and not be consumed by them. Our next partner has a product I've loved for years. Athletic Greens. It's such a convenient, nutrient-dense way to start your day. So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy levels, recovery, focus, and aging, all the things. It's lifestyle friendly. So whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free, it also contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, or artificial anything while still tasting really, really good. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's all you have to do. To make it really easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D. I can't tell you. When I'm consulting patients looking at labs, vitamin D deficiency is so common and it's so important for optimal energy, supporting immune system, regulating inflammation levels. I could go on and on, but basically they're going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and also five free travel packs of Athletic Greens with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash Cole. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash Cole to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. When you do what you love, like running, eating healthy foods, racing, enjoying the great outdoors, you want to do it for life. Inside Tracker can help. Inside Tracker was founded in 2009 by leading scientists in aging, genetics, and biometrics. Using their patented algorithm, Inside Tracker analyzes your body's unique data to provide you with a clear picture of what's going on inside you and to offer you science-backed recommendations for positive diet and lifestyle changes. Then Inside Tracker tracks your progress every day, every step of the way toward reaching your performance goals, your wellness goals, and living a longer, healthier life. As a functional medicine practitioner, I love data, I love labs, I love getting to the root cause and tracking that data over time to see how food and stress and sleep impact our labs. But I realized that not everybody's my patients and I love looking at my patients' labs and tracking over time, but there are many people on social media and listeners of the podcast that maybe aren't my patient, at least at this point right now. And they're asking, what are some direct-to-consumer, what are labs that I can get without a doctor? And that's what I love about Inside Tracker is that they provide amazing data so we all can have agency over our health. And look, if you end up having a consult with me at some point, I love looking at Inside Tracker to really to see what's been going on in your health to be there for you in the best way. For a limited time, you can get 25% off the entire Inside Tracker store. Just go to insidetracker.com slash art of being well. Again, that's I N S I D E 
T-R-A-C-K-E-R dot com slash art of being well. InsideTracker dot com slash art of being well. And later on in the book, you talk about those qualities of, of more of who we are, the expansive, true self of who we are. And peace is one of them. And there's so many things in our culture, again, that really set to, you know, rob us of our peace. And part of that is technology. And you mentioned not having a TV, like in, a, in, in, in an industry where so many people connected, you're on the television shows, you're on social media, but you no. yourself live this beautiful, simple life. And you talk about our relationship with media, social media, or TV technology in the book. So what yes. are some ways we can cultivate peace with media and beyond? Okay. So I have two Two big things to say here. Number one, as I mentioned to you, my cornerstones, food, body, emotional well-being, and spiritual growth, right? So you see, like food is tangible. You know, you're such an expert here, Will, with guiding us in this part of our wellness. And that's very important. Food, body, how we take care of our physical body, sleep, supplements, you know, everything beyond food, exercise, and so on. But then there's our emotional well-being and our spiritual growth. And so what I have found in my work is that it is essential, let's say in our morning practice, the morning routine I teach, that we are nurturing not just our outer external world, but our inner health, our mental health, our inner connection. So for instance, in my morning practice, I recommend having hot water with lemon, you know, how, uh, glowing green smoothie, something with fiber, and then SBO probiotics, but then also some time to, to journal, to think, you know, to, to, to introspect. There's certain questions I like to write in the beginning of the day. You know, is there anything I need to let go of? Uh, or at the end of the day, what did I learn today? And what am I grateful for? So just spending time with your own emotional processing and then always meditation. You know, to me, that is an essential, the meditations I teach, well, the practical enlightenment meditations, which are on our app, they're free, they're for everyone, are about seven minutes because it takes a while to build up. I meditate longer, but it took me, you know, I've been meditating now for 12 years. So as busy as we are, we need that space to connect in before we go on Instagram, before we go into email. And I promise you this connection with your breath, with your body makes it's easier to deal with food cravings. It makes it easier to know when you're truly hungry. It makes it easier to not feel so reactive to someone being pushy or overbearing or whatever it is, the things that annoy you. So I'm a big believer in a morning practice, a simple routine, like I just mentioned, that balances inner and outer. The other thing that I, the other practice that I teach in more depth in the book, Will, is really finding actual stillness, experiencing stillness, because once you experience it, and this is the reason I was so drawn to Yogananda, he says, don't accept any of this blindly. This is not about blind dogma. You test it. Well, you look at real science, yogic science, you test it in your own body. You test it in your life to see the experience. Am I, am I creating more peace? Am I creating, am I feeling more bliss? So true stillness will is in this practice I teach in the book, I think it's in chapter five, chapter four. It's when we breathe and we'll do it now together for a moment, right? You take a deep inhale and you pause with the breath full. So I'm gonna count in for four well. So inhaling for one, two, three, four, and pause with the breath full at the top. And then we exhale for four, two, three, 
four, and then pause at the bottom with the breath empty. And then we inhale, right? And then it keeps going. So it's this experience of these simple breathwork practices where we find, oh, in the gaps, in between the breaths, there is actual stillness. And like you said, most people are so busy. They're running around the to-do list. I'm posting all this stuff. Then I'm checking out what people are posting. Then I'm running after my kids. And then I have to make dinner and stuff. So if we don't actually experience stillness, we don't really experience the expansion of peace in our life. So even those like micro gaps that experience, it's these little small experiences, these little small steps will that start to expand into more and more energy because energy builds over time. Mm -hmm. So when we follow these practices, which can just be like five minutes in the morning, it's amazing. I've experienced this in my own life and I have a very busy life. Well, I have two babies. One's five, you know, one's 16 months of podcast, the books, you know, the Saluna, my business. But I find that, and you know what? I become less reactive. I become a much better mom. I find myself more present. I find myself with less time being in more flow and more productive, like truly productive. Mm -hmm. So I know like for anyone listening to this, it's like, oh shit, I'm really busy. It's these little moments mm -hmm. that changes your energy in a really palpable way. Wow. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. So as you know, the, the podcast is called The Art of Being Well. So this part of the pod, I, this is called Your Art of Being Well. This is Kimberly Snyder's Art of Being Well. I'm going to just throw a few questions out and I really... I'm curious to hear your answers. I'm curious to learn more about, about you. Are you up for this? I'm challenge? up for it. I love it. Think <laughs> of my toes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Question number one. If you're stuck on an island like Kauai, but let's just say there's nothing else there. <laughs> you just, I'll, I, hey, next time you want a, a guest, I'll, I'll come into your farm. Uh, I would love it. Love it. Love it. <laughs> uh, so... You're stuck on an island without anything. You have one food and you're talking about survival, nutrient density. What's that one food? For me, it would be coconuts. Yeah. I love coconuts for many different reasons. Number one, the hydration from the water with all the electrolytes. When I learned that coconuts were used as IVs back in countries like my mother's native Philippines, I felt even more connected to coconuts because you realize this, this richness, this mineral richness in the water itself is, it's like life force for our mm -hmm. body and the meat, the, you know, the actual fattiness of the meat, you know, the lauric acid, the, you know, it's such a wonderful energy burning fat. And, you know, I immediately go to coconuts because, you know, the spiritual side of me um, is drawn to the fact that coconuts were used in a lot of different yogic, Hindu, Ayurvedic ceremonies, because in a, in a metaphysical sense, the outer husk represents this, you know, the ego, the outer kosha. And then we go deeper, deeper into the pureness of the, the white wow the true wow. self. So it's used in ceremonies. It's said to have a purifying quality when we eat coconuts. So if I'm on that island, I'll, you know, I'm going to work on my spirituality <laughs> and I'm going to get the healthy fat and the hydration. I love it, man. That is such a good, <laughs> that's what I would say too, but I didn't know this deep yogic reason, but it's a perfect symbol of the human condition yes. and this work yes. that you're talking about in, in your book. Exactly. exactly. We're not this out here. 
We're mm-hmm. here. Uh, amen. And then, I mean, look, if, if the fiber, the electrolytes, the f- protein, the fats, the MCT, I mean, there's so many things. It's the perfect oh, yes. food and it's stuck on an island. <laughs> it's fine, <laughs> that coconut. <laughs> Climb those trees. <laughs> Question number two, completely opposite. If you're, if you had to eat one food for the rest of your life, purely on deliciousness, on taste, what would that food be? Oh, cacao in all yep. its forms. I love cacao nibs. I'm a huge chocolate fan. So I was talking to you, Will, about before this. We are turning our, our farm in Hawaii. We bought this piece of land. It was, you know, grazing cows and, and goats before. It was really a rundown pasture. And so we just cleared it all and we're planting cacao trees from seeds. We have a little nursery going right now, wow. planting 1,500 cacao trees. And part of that is because it grows well there, but I'm a huge chocolate lover. You know, last night, our family had a bunch of, we love coconut ice cream. So we had our chocolate brownie ice cream. Dark chocolate is almost a daily go-to for me, even if it's a little square. I love hot chocolate. I'm plant-based. So I make it with, you know, coconut milk, chocolate in all its forms. I love it. You're going to have endless chocolate. You'll be Willy Wonka of Kauai. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So well, I have to tell you real quick that the people that own this farm before were cabinet makers. So they had this big warehouse place and now we're going to turn it into our chocolate facility or making it a you know, food grade place. We're going to ferment it in there and, and just wow. cacao beans out the wazoo. I love it. It's so good. All right. Next question. What are the, what are two supplements that have been the biggest game changers for you personally? Amazing. Well, I have a brand, Saluna Will, as you know, and we do Mm -hmm. not have a lot of supplements, but the ones that I put out are the ones that have really helped me. And I'm someone that has, you know, a history of a lot of different digestion issues. I was chronically bloated, chronically constipated. So the first thing that I would say are the SBO probiotics, which are soil-borne organism our soil-based probiotic organisms that are based in the soil. So how our ancestors naturally got probiotics from unwashed vegetables. And when I switched to this form of probiotics, which survives stomach acid, I noticed a big difference overall. My skin started clearing up. I had a lot more energy. I started to digest things a lot better. I just felt a lot more clear-headed. So that's the first one I would say. The second is at Saluna, we have a product called Detoxy, which is basically nascent oxygen with vitamin C and magnesium. You take it in the evenings and it's not a laxative. It's not like, you know, it's not herbal, it's not senna, but it it naturally helps to get some of the old waste and the acids out of your GI tract and it cleanses you. So in the past, I was obsessed with different cleanses. I would do different fasts all the time. And I think that's really helpful too. And I love, you know, the different programs you have in your book. Well, and I have to say that Caitlin on my team, after we did our podcast, became really into your program. She listened to our podcast and she loved, she went through the different stages you mentioned, you know, I'm still kind of in the 12, 12. (laughs) Anyways, So for me, Detoxy is, you know, just a wonderful ongoing supplement in my life that just helps me eliminate more. It just helps me feel a lot more energy. So those are the two that I love. Perfect. And we'll put the links to those on the show notes. So just for everybody to know. Yeah. All right. What's your latest non-food, non-supplement biohack or wellness tool, if you're into those, that you're really into? Oh, 
so we talk about this all the time because my my husband is actually he works in wellness PR. So we the you know we have this guest house where his office is it's the ultimate biohacking place, right? He's got like the Norma Tech boots. He represents Hyperice and all these brands. So for me, okay, I will say there is one that I'm drawn to, and I I have tried the NAD plus IVs, and and I have noticed a difference in my mental clarity. So for me, I don't do it all the time, but I have tried it through another doctor that he works with. And I really, you know, I, I've enjoyed that. But the other part that I was initially going to say is I think people love all the new trends and they love all the new stuff that's coming out. But for me, well, it's like, I think there's so much value in the old like the ancient, which is why I'm a big proponent of these ancient teachings, mm -hmm. because I think in modern life, sometimes we need that old wisdom. We do need that old wisdom, which is just as more applicable today than ever. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, 100%, which is a good segue because it's this is the next question. What is, and you talk about so many different practical spiritual practices, mindfulness practices in the book. So maybe this may be hard for you to answer, but what what is one spiritual or mindfulness practice that has been one of, if not the biggest game changer for you? So I mentioned it a little bit, or, well, yes, I mentioned this part earlier. First of all, you know, the book goes, is all inspired by Kriya Yoga, like the actual practices, which yeah. have made the biggest difference in my life. Understanding that we are not, we don't have to be so drawn into the ego, that we can go into the spines, the Shashumna Nadi. And then um, when you focus on your third eye, it actually starts to activate this part of your brain, the medulla oblongata, medulla oblongata and this ganglion of nerves. So creativity really starts to accelerate. But the besides all of this, you know, as really specific yogic practices, when I started to learn the difference between thoughts and feelings, like I was saying before, actually sitting with a sensation in my body and letting it rise and fall, that was such a game changer because I realized my thoughts were always tricking me, making me feel annoyed or offended, or like I had to respond to someone or I had to react. And once I just started realizing, oh, this is just my nervous system having an actual sensation and a reaction, mm -hmm. my whole life changed. Oh my gosh, well, everything changed. My peace and my calmness went up like a thousand percent. So that is a big practice. I would love everyone to start mm -hmm. really leaning into, just notice what's going on in your body. Get out of your head. If you notice your breath getting fast, you notice you're out of your heart, feel it sit with it. Sometimes it's in your heart, sometimes it's in your shoulders, your hips or your stomach or wherever. It will pass and wait for it to pass before you speak, before <laughs> you email, before you text, before you lash out, before you leave a mean comment, just let the wave go through. And then you realize we don't have to be this, you know, the prisoners of all these feelings. They can just go through us. Mm. There is a calm, deep place inside of us. And that's where we want to act and live from. Absolutely. You mentioned earlier not having a television and having like, I'm assuming you have a different relationship with social media than most human yes. beings living on this planet right now. So <laughs> I'm curious, like that's a major part of wellness. So major. can you give me some tips here, me personally and everybody else that's listening and my kids, like how can you, what, totally. what can we do? First of all, I just want to say, uh, Will, I love when your stuff pops up in my feed because I, I just want to say that I feel your heart. Thank you. And so I love that. And I love that you're putting out real positivity. So thank you. And thank I you. wish everybody really did 
put it out from their heart. But again, that's where the ego could play in sometimes. So I, my tips are number one, be very organized in your social media time. What I mean by that is I batch the times I am on there. I don't have the alerts kind of dribbling in and out all day which pulls you out of your focus. So there's like very specific times in the morning and the afternoon I check in and I do not go on social media before bed. And I do not go on social media first thing in the morning because I don't want it to dictate my energy at the beginning of the day. So it's almost like in my calendar, like eight, o'clock to 8.15 or whatever it is, that's when I'm on and then I'm off. And I'm very disciplined about that. Number two, as someone who is a, you know, such as yourself, like we put out value on social media. So I plan my posts ahead. So I'm actually on there less. So I batch creating content and then I schedule it. I put it out and then I'm only checking when I'm on there. And number three, I really only follow accounts and people that feel not think, but they feel good to me. Sometimes we follow people because, you know, we don't want to offend them, but I mute those people honestly, if it doesn't feel good to me. So everything coming in is supportive of the energy that I want to feel in my day and it doesn't detract in any way. So we don't have to follow, you know, we don't have to get drawn in. We don't have to let our energy go down. I can't even tell you, well, I'm sure you too, like how many people say to me, oh my gosh, you know, get into it. And social media has such a negative detrimental impact on their lives. I mean, it's real. When the Facebook whistleblower stuff came out, yeah. you know, a couple months ago and all the studies and all the stuff about mental health and women feeling low self-esteem. I mean, it is a real energy downer mm-hmm. in a lot of people's lives. So we have to manage it. We have to be very mindful of how we manage it. Mm, this is great tips. So do you not have, like, as far as TV, you don't have any like Netflix, Hulu, like you have no, no, nothing. No, we have an iPad. And so if we, as a, you know, as a family want to watch a movie or something, we'll go on the iPad. (laughs) Um, My husband likes, you know, he does like shows more. To be honest, I'm just like, I don't know, my brain works differently. It doesn't hold my attention. Like I'd rather Mm -hmm. read a book. Like I did, my brain works in a different way, but we do watch stuff sometimes, but it will be on the iPad. So we do have a Netflix account. We do have HBO. Got it. (laughs) I love this. You would be my wife's like best friend in a second. She could, if she had her, her. uh, yeah, she would live in a yurt in Montana or Kauai and like off the grid. Like that's exactly where we'd be. I mean, I'm so out of, I just like pop culture, like a a client of mine was like, oh, I'm doing this, you know, eyeglass collaboration. And I was like, oh, with who? And then it was someone who had like 29 million followers who I had never heard. And I'm like, wow, I'm just so out of it. (laughs) That is a good thing, man. This is the real (laughs) stuff that we need to get back to. All right, next question. Speaking of loving to read, what's a book that you've read in the last year? Obviously, everybody's going to pick up your book, but what's a book that you've read personally in the last year that's really inspired you or got you thinking in in a fresh new way? So- It's a book that I've read in the past year, but I have to admit it's a book that I've read many times. And this is a book that I, you know, was so impactful on me. It's called Letting Go by Dr. David Hawkins that I mentioned earlier. And when my mom passed away, there's a chapter on grief and it was one of my sanctuaries in helping me get past grief. But he talks about all these different energies and how we can really let go emotionally. Mm -hmm. So I really recommend that book because I had never looked at it in that way. And yeah, it's a very powerful book. 
Dr. David Hawkins. I have to read that. Yeah. All right. Last question, my friend. What is the best piece of advice you've received and who gave it to you? Wow. I'm going to have to go with, you know, Guruji here, um, Paramahansa Yogananda. And this, this quote, it's, you know, echoed throughout the book. Um, I'm going to paraphrase it here, but he's saying, we just have to scrape off the mud. The diamond is already there. And he's, you know, it's basically goes on and on about how we don't have to acquire anything else. And when I started to, because my whole life was like, you know, adding on, like, I want to be the best student. I want to have better skin. I want to have all this stuff. And all of that is like fun. And we want to play in the world. But the advice that, the, you know, the, the practice is tuning into the treasure that's there. So it's like peeling away and there's so much relief and, and, Oh, like energy explosions that open up from that because it's not this endless running around and being so tied to the ego. It's going deeper into who we are, going deeper into the true self. And that's available to everyone and it's free. It's just these practices to tune in. And I can say from personal experience, well, when I started to hone in on that, whoa, soulmate came in, abundance came in, you know, the book deals, everything just started to grow without this this constant desperation. And so mm-hmm. me finding more peace in my life is why I'm so passionate about sharing this stuff because I think these teachings should be available to everybody. Yeah. I mean, you could tell, I mean, the, you're just a conduit for the light, God's light in this world. I can tell, I feel it. You will. Thank you so I much. I feel it. My friend, this is great. So uh, people are going to love this conversation. Where, where can people get in touch with your work? Where can people get the book? Tell, tell them all the things. Okay. So the book, You Are More Than You Think You Are, is available now anywhere books are sold, right? Online, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, so on and so forth. My uh, main website is mysaluna.com, which is S-O-L-L-U-N-A.com. And there you'll find more information about you know all our products, our digital courses. We have something called the Saluna Circle, which is an amazing online um, circle for connection. Feel Good Podcast, one of my favorite guests right here, Dr. Will Cole. This guy. <laughs> this guy. And social is um, at underscore Kimberly Snyder. Thank you, my friend. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Well, I love you so much. Love you too. At the end of every episode, I'll be answering a question from one of you guys. Nothing is off limits. Ask me anything. And you can send your questions over to me on Instagram or Facebook. As a functional medicine practitioner, it's been fun seeing the questions that have already come in on different food philosophies, wellness trends, and ways to approach overall mental, emotional, and physical health and well-being. Thanks for those. And I'm looking forward to seeing what else is on your mind. Now it's time for another Ask Me Anything. Today's question is from Miriam. Miriam asks, hi, Dr. Wilkel. What are the health benefits of ginger. All right, so ginger, it's a plant medicine, a natural medicine that we use in different blends and in different protocols for patients uh, through my functional medicine telehealth center, certainly. And let's look at the classic uh, clinical application for ginger. So ginger is oftentimes used for digestive support. So if somebody has an inflamed stomach, they have nausea, they have morning sickness, they have IBS, they have different uh, things like acid reflux, a heartburn, indigestion. These can all be, uh, ginger is a great way to soothe gastrointestinal inflammation, basically. And a lot of the research around ginger really is looking at its inflammation uh, supportive 
mechanisms that it can provide the human body. But it's there's actually a lot of other compelling research around uh, ginger specifically, not just with digestive inflammation, but systemic inflammation as well. So when you think of it, don't think of it as just a tool to support digestive health, I guess is what I'm trying to say. There's a study that I'm aware of. It was, I believe, out of Michigan Medicine. I think it was published in uh, JCI, a medical journal. But they basically found that there's this bioactive compound of ginger root. So think cooking with ginger or having ginger tea or blending it up in a smoothie. There's different ways that you can integrate it into your meals as medicine. But basically, there's this compound in ginger root called 6-ginger-all, which has been shown to be therapeutic in countering the mechanism that fuels certain autoimmune diseases, which most of my patients are struggling with different inflammation, autoimmune inflammation issues. Anyway, this study... The researchers specifically looked at lupus and something called antiphospholipid syndrome, which is connected to lupus and something that we see clinically pretty often. Both autoimmune conditions we see quite often in our clinic. Anyway, this is a study that was specifically done on mice. And mice studies are done because mice are very, very similar to us genetically. So as far as looking at the mechanisms, it's kind of the first, some, some of the first round of studies for us to understand the mechanisms of which uh, different agents, in this case, ginger, works on our health. But they found that there's something called neutrophil extracellular traps or NETs. NETs come from white blood cells called neutrophils. And these sticky spider-like web structures are formed when autoantibodies interact with receptors on the neutrophils surface. So what the researchers found that they discovered that after giving six ginger all from ginger root, the mice had lower levels of these immune markers, the NETs. But what was the most surprising thing from this study was that regardless of whether they had antiphospholipid syndrome or lupid, they had reduced autoantibodies suggesting a lowered inflammatory response in the body. Pretty cool stuff. I can say clinically, I see ginger being a tool within the toolbox. It's not a magic pill, it's not a magic food that's going to cure all your problems, but it's part of a, of a the context of nutrient density and bringing in nature's medicine cabinet, which herbs and spices and superfoods in a way uh, like ginger can be a great tool to integrate into your life. Thanks again for listening to The Art of Being Well. If you have a chance, please rate and review the podcast here. And if you like what you're hearing, hit follow and pass it along to a friend. To see more, head to drwillcole.com slash podcast. I'll be back again next Thursday, and I hope you will too. Talk soon. <laughs>